Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. In one of the best things about generosity, becoming minimalist columnist, Joshua Becker writes, When we give stuff away, we make the world a better place. Generous people feel better about themselves, Becker says. They report a greater sense of life satisfaction and happiness. They build stronger relationships with others. Studies have even linked generosity with improved physical health. Now, giving also benefits the receiver. We improve their lives. We fight to overturn injustice. We offer an example to the world of a better way to live and spur others to do the same. But maybe the greatest benefit of generosity is the realization that we already have enough. Raising funds for a church or temple has always been a bit of a challenge because it never feels like we have enough. In ancient Israel, the guidelines for giving sound today like something thought up on a dare by someone who'd been standing in the sacrificial smoke a little too long. Now these are the real guidelines. All men must tithe or give to others. Tithes are to be made up of corn, wine, and oil by biblical law and from fruit and vegetables by rabbinical law. But you can't just bundle it all up and bring it in, oh no. The farmer must harvest his crops and then separate out an amount between one-fortieth and one-sixtieth of the total, depending on their generosity. And they must give this to the priest who will treat it as sacred and only eat it while ritually clean and not share it at all. But the farmer isn't done. He must then separate out one-tenth of the rest and give it to a Levite or a member of the tribe of Levi. These were the politicians and religious administrators, and the Levite then had to take a tenth of his share and give it to the priest, who would treat it as sacred and only eat it while ritually clean and not share it at all. And the poor farmer still wasn't done. He then had to take one-tenth of what he had left and take it to Jerusalem, where it had to be eaten in a sacred way. In the third and sixth year, of course, the farmer had to give his tenth away to the poor and not eat it himself, in a sacred way. The poor could then eat it any way they liked. And when you had gotten all this figured out, you realized that you had merely completed your temple obligation. You had not done anything about your theological obligation to live a generous life. Let me tell you, confusion about how much to pay has always made giving a challenge. Those fleeing advanced mathematics were no luckier when they turned to other gods. The sun god Shamash wanted a tenth of everything that you had. Bel, Nabu, and Nurgle were the same. Ninurta wanted a tenth of your profits and harvest and asked for the tax of the gardener on top. The lady of Uruk took her tenth and then sent fretful letters to those who didn't pay. We still have the preserved clay tablets written in Sumerian. They ask, tell me, why did you not pay the tithe? 
Can you imagine having your bill preserved for over 2,000 years? By 2000 Common Era, Mithras and Jesus were both popular across the Mediterranean, with Christianity growing as Zoroastrianism began to fade. The early Christian groups all held their property in common, while the followers of Mithras were encouraged to give a tithe and sacrifices of bulls and red wine and gold and, believe it or not, the pain felt by pulling out your hairs one by one in a ritual manner. Being uncomfortable with how your money is used or not having an offering, well, having an offering that actually hurts, it makes giving a challenge. Understandably then, over the next thousand years, Christianity won out and ritual offertory hair yanking faded into the past. The age of cathedral building began and the churches in the Middle Ages needed gold. Tithes were demanded, and those not paying their tenth of the church were hounded mercilessly. The Crusades cost the church heavily. It's not cheap to send thousands of men and horses to Jerusalem to try to seize the Holy Land. And then Pope Urbane II had a wonderful, awful idea. He granted all Crusaders complete lifetime penance in return for their participation in the Crusades, a papal indulgence. While he meant well, in effect, he sold them salvation in exchange for their service. No matter what sins they committed for the rest of their lives, they had already received a heavenly pardon. And I'm sure you can imagine their responsible and thoughtful behavior upon hearing that no matter what they did, they were assured of heaven. Indulgences became widely abused as the rich realized they could buy their way out of hell or at least out of purgatory, which was hell's waiting room. The crusades were long over, and local priests and bishops began to sell pardons for specific sins, not for service, but for gold. Let's face it, being threatened or shamed if you don't give some perfect amount makes giving a challenge, and being sold salvation makes giving an obscenity. Indulgences breathed their last about 450 years ago, but we've inherited that world from our ancestors. Today, Robert Tilton is an evangelist, and he'll tell you if you will send him just $10, he'll send you a blessed prayer string, yes, a whole string, just for you. If you send him a 100, you get a two-inch wide blessed prayer cloth, which will heal you and those you love. For a thousand, you get a bottle of holy water, instructions on washing with it, and a request to send five thousand more as fast as you can. I have to admit, I own a blessed prayer string. I'm too poor to have the holy water. Creflo Dollar is another mega preacher, and he's more specific. Send him your tithes and then some because he needs a personal jet. He doesn't even pretend he's going to do anything else with the money. In 2020, his church worked very hard and Creflo got his jet. Being told that you owe someone something or that only giving big will keep good things happening, it makes giving both a challenge and often a mockery. And then you have us, the Unitarian Universalists, the UU Congregation of Venice. 
we have this lovely building. We have six people on our payroll in one way or the other. We pay our bills on time to our vendors and the utilities and the UUA itself, and we buy supplies. We support other not-for-profits and social justice causes. We have done amazing work, but we can do more. We offer amazing programming, classes for children and adults at low or no cost, beautiful music sung by our choir and played by our talented accompanist, Sunday services, guest speakers, mat-making, green sanctuary, social justice we give to our greater Venice community. And every penny that you give goes to support your church and its programs. But the eternal question remains, how do you decide how much to give? I don't want you to give based on some complex formula calculated to support the staff and allow you not to starve while enforcing a code of religious behavior. And if your calculations about giving involve figuring out one fortieth, one fiftieth, or one sixty of anything, you need to stop. There's no magical formula. No perfect right amount that give away to church or charity or anyone else to be doing it correctly. The amount you give is the right amount. There's no specific ratio. Bell, Nurgle, Shamash, and all the rest have stopped sending plain of edge stone tablets. And I'm a little busy to send out 500 or so fretful emails. You're welcome to share your beer and your wine, but we don't need it as an offering, and we only accept bulls, goats, and chickens in very special cases. I will never ask you to pluck your hair. You won't be threatened or shamed. You won't be sold salvation. I want to give you two reasons for giving. One is practical and one theological. Practically, I want you to give because you like it here and you want it to stay open. Give because you want a place to come where people want you for who you are. A place where you can ask hard questions and argue thoughtfully over important issues. A place where your children or grandchildren can learn the values you believe in. A place where you can find and hold your center even when life gets rough. Where there are like-minded people. That's the practical piece. You give because it's yours and you want to keep it. You give because our bill collectors have an ugly way of saying, in God we trust, all others pay cash. But we can do more than just keep the lights on. Theologically, you give because generosity isn't about helping other person or institution or even paying bills. Generosity is about doing something for yourself, and we can do more. Generosity is about reminding yourself over and over that there is more in the world than you. It's about reminding yourself that you are connected to everything out there, and reaching out is as essential as breathing. Giving isn't something you do for the other. Giving is something that you are being allowed to do to benefit yourself. And we can do more. We can remodel our campus. We can give more to our local community. We can begin to talk about building a gathering hall. 
We can reach in and reach out and hold on to one another. We can continue to build a community where reason and science, theology and love are all accepted. A place where people are welcome just as they are. I don't want a jet, but I do want our church to be a place that you can get what you need. I want it to be a place that meets you where you are. Give generously for yourself and everyone else. Fill out your pledge card. Remind your friends to fill theirs out too. And please remember that generosity is relative. For some people, $1 or $5 or $10 a month, it's a huge sacrifice and unbelievably generous. Don't measure yourself against others. You're unique. The amounts that make up generous giving will change from person to person. If the amount you pledge is under $20 a month, consider adding $5 or $10 a month if you can. That's the cost of one or two cups of Starbucks coffee. And listen, if you don't even notice what you're giving, double your pledge. Triple it this year if you feel so moved. For anyone quadrupling your pledge, I will not only send you three personalized indulgences, but a sacred string, a bottle of holy water, and an entire pan of homemade baklava. Raising funds for a church has always been a bit of a challenge, but I think we can do it. Live generously for all of us because we can do more, and it is going to be amazing. Amen. Thank you.